isn't waiting hard? That was like 15 seconds, and I could feel some of you starting to squirm. Like, did I do something wrong? Is he trying to wait for the kids to get quiet? Waiting's incredibly difficult. There are many things we can take from the story of Jesus' incarnation, the, the putting on of flesh that Jesus does around this time of year that we celebrate every single year. Peace on earth, the best gift ever given, the beginning of the salvation story, so many things that we can take. But today I wanted to focus in on a part that is common if we've spent any time waiting in Advent or, or talking about it. But it's very common, unfortunately, for this time of year, but something we forget so often throughout the rest of the year. It's this idea of waiting. See, all of us are waiting for something. Some of you are waiting for this sermon to end so that you can get home and enjoy the sweet treats at home. Some of you, you're like celebrating Christmas. You're waiting for Christmas to come a week from now. You know who you are. You need help. You're sick, okay? Like, don't count out next year starting a week from now. But we're all waiting. You're waiting for a spouse. You're waiting for a child. Maybe you're waiting for the, che- the seasons change. Maybe you're waiting, as, as city church people, they're here today, you're waiting to figure out, like, is this going to be home? Is this going to feel like home? Maybe you're waiting for 2020 to end, and not just in a calendar year, but everything that encompassed it. We're all waiting for something. Waiting is one of those things that is just standard. We wait in lines for things that we look forward to having. We wait all the time for something new to come. We wait for a new technology to show up. We wait for a friend to show up. Some of you are waiting for family to arrive to celebrate in Christmas. Some of you are waiting for the next holiday when you can actually celebrate it together. We're all waiting for the pandemic to end. Some are waiting, anticipating for the vaccine, waiting for family to get healthy. Waiting is a serious, all-the-time aspect of every part of our lives. We wait, and we wait, and we wait. The thing that's interesting about waiting, though, is that we can wait really improperly or wait poorly. You know, a lot of times we tend to try and, like, if you've ever had kids or been on a road trip, the the proverbial question, are we there yet? Many of us live our lives trying to hurry up the process in fear of what may never come. Many of us rush it. We try to, instead of letting God teach us what he wants to teach us in the process, we try and rush it. Really, when it comes to waiting, the issue at the heart is that we, we believe we have control. We believe that we have some control. When we look at scriptures, we see that waiting is not only a part of scripture, but it seems to be God's plan. Before the incarnation of Jesus, the people of God waited and waited and waited and waited for the Messiah. Jesus is born. And people wait for what does it mean? They hear all these stories about the Messiah is here, the the son of David, all these things are happening, the shepherds and the wise men, and they wait 30 years for Jesus to do something. And all of a sudden when Jesus does it, he dies. The disciples wait three days. Jesus resurrects and he he moves on. And now those believers then and us believers today wait for him to come again. It seems like waiting is a process that the Bible not only shows, but something that God has intended for us. But yet, somehow, even though waiting is a big part of God's plan for this vapor of a life that we live, somehow we continually make the same mistakes over and over and over again in history. The people that waited for the Messiah missed, it when he showed, missed him when he showed up. The people that, that, the disciples that followed Jesus missed it when he went to the cross. And many of you, if not careful, will miss the idea that he's coming again because you're not waiting the way that God has intended us 
to wait. The Israelites missed the Messiah because their hardness of heart. Even when prophecies that they had memorized showed up and happened to the point in front of them, they still missed him. Even though Jesus said time and time again, I must die, the disciples still missed it. Why? Because the disciples had focused in on their waiting for him to crush Rome. They had smaller expectations. Waiting is really, really difficult, but it is a part of God's plan. When we think of Christmas, many of you are waiting for the presents that you get to open tomorrow or the family you get to get together or just the, I'm going to drink too much eggnog that any one person should ever drink. Whatever it is, you're excited about what tomorrow means, but then the day after tomorrow, is, it's over. And we have to wait another year for Christmas to come. Your life will always be waiting. I don't think it's, a, it's an accident that a fruit of the Spirit is patience. We see in Scripture in, in Psalm 130, verses 5 through 6, it says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in His word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Or Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. As I started thinking about this season and what this means, especially with as hard of a year that 2020 has been, so many of us have been stuck waiting stuck in our homes, not the way that we felt we should be connected, and, and we're seeing this kind of this pent-up energy. It's almost like all of us were hoping that some magical door would happen when the calendar year changed to 2021. And now we're starting to realize that it might mean that we wait even into 2021, and we're getting tired and exhausted, and we're asking the question, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Biblically, there are four different Hebrew words for wait primarily used in the Old Testament, and two that are primarily used compound Greek words in the New Testament. Wait is all over. I won't try to pronounce the words. My Hebrew is a little rusty, as in I don't have any. But the four primary words used for wait in the Old Testament mean these. The first one that's used the most, to bind together, to look expectantly, to hope or to expect. The second word, even used even more than that, means to hope or wait expectantly. It can also be translated and has been as trust or to wait in hope. The third word means to be still. And the fourth word, predominantly used, it means to long for. In the New Testament, the two compounds, the first compound word kind of focuses predominantly, almost every time it's used in the New Testament, predominantly on the coming of the Lord, the second coming, in his first or second coming. But it means to receive, to accept, to look for. The second word, again, is to expect eagerly. And almost every time it's used in the New Testament, it's about his second coming or his first coming. When we think of waiting, we think of it being this passive thing that we just sit still and white knuckle and hold on and don't lose faith. But waiting seems to have words like hope, expect, trust, long for. When we think of waiting like that, it changes it because it's no longer just I'm waiting for something to happen. There's actually something to hope in in that waiting. And in every single time, almost every time it's used in the Old Testament, it's used with the subject being God. Wait for God to redeem us. Wait for God to save us. Wait for God to do a work in the Messiah. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. And if you read that, instead of saying wait, if we just start saying hope on the Lord, hope on God, what are the things would change in us? So waiting biblically means so much more than just sitting around. It's supposed to be active. When we wait, it's supposed to be an active process. Really, it means to be filled with trust and hope and joy and eager anticipation all in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. That is what we wait for. We wait expectantly, eagerly for this. Why would hope 
do this. If the person is Jesus, we see in Psalm 62, for God alone, oh my soul, wait in silence for my hope is from him. Reading that differently, it's for God alone, oh my soul, hope in silence for my hope is from him. Trust in silence. How are you doing on trusting the Lord right now? God is our hope. He is our hope. Nothing else is our hope. The pandemic ending is not our hope. Our political climate, definitely not our hope. You getting married someday, don't do that to her. Please, that's not, she's not your hope. Your hope is in God alone. He is our hope. We see this in Isaiah 25, 9. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited, we have hoped, trusted for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited. We have hoped for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Romans 5, 2, 5 says this, says, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in what? In hope for of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice, why? In our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It seems like when we read this, it, it, it would only make sense that it takes time. Suffering doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> Endurance doesn't happen the next day. And hope doesn't just show up. It seems that there's a plan of time in this. When we wait with hope, we establish something in our hearts that is far greater than our complaints and whatever this world promises. When we wait with hope, we recognize that, that our circumstances, no matter how hard they are, they're producing something that will not put us to shame. God is our hope, and we are waiting for him. Whether you know it or not, if you don't believe in Jesus, what are you waiting for? If you've given your life to Christ, then you're waiting not only for him to complete the work that he promised he would finish in you, that he started, but also for his second coming, the day when we don't have to worry about which church someone goes to, and we don't have to worry about if we're going to get sick, or there will be no tears, there will be complete unity. We hope for that. We don't hope that 2021 will be better than 2020, although it's not bad to want that. Our hope can never be in that because if we hope in it and it doesn't happen, then we are left wanting and disgruntled and distant from the Lord. We hope in the Lord no matter what happens in our circumstances. Peter tells us to do it this way in 1 Peter 1.13. He says, therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully, not partly, fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We hope for him coming back. See, here's, here's the problem in our waiting, is if we wait like the disciples and like the people of Israel, we might accidentally put our hope in something else and miss it completely. If nothing, we can't assume that they were just a bunch of idiots and we're way smarter. People have been missing the point of God the whole time because they have anticipated that it would happen in their timelines as if they have sovereign control. The biggest lie the enemy can tell us is that we have that kind of control, that we can make things happen. Apart from God, we can do no good. His timing is, is let me just say this really clearly, his timing, despite how my sermons may go over at times, his timing is always perfect. It's never late, never early, exactly when it needs to happen. Hebrews 9.28 tells us this, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly are waiting for him. One scholar says it this way, he says, this eager expectation for Christ is simply a sign that we love him and believe in him authentically. It's faith that really holds on to Christ as a treasure and hope and joy, and it's faith that makes us long for Christ to come again. Do you long for him to come, or do you long for what next year will bring? 
Do you long for Jesus to do a work and you do long for him to complete what he started in you? Or do you just long to get that raise, to finish school, to live life for your own means? How are you waiting? How are you doing on this? How often do we think of the resurrection, the time when every believer will be in perfect harmony, the time that Corinthians tells us that we will know God entirely as he knows us, the time where we see that the lion and the lamb lay together, where there's work, but everything is joyful. There's no sadness. Do we long for that? Not as an escapism, not as a, I don't want to be a part of here. No, because to wait properly is expectantly to, to be sober-minded, to prepare ourselves for that time. So there's, there's a working out our salvation with fear and trembling. All of history shows us that we can wait in a way that doesn't have hope or trust in the Lord. We've seen that in scriptures, and we've seen that in our own lives. So then when that hope doesn't fit our idea, when we put our trust in something else, what are we going to miss that's right in front of us? There are many things that can go wrong when we put our hope in something else, when we, when we lose sight of waiting. When we think of waiting as just a passive sit on our hands, buy the time, you know, watch some Netflix in hopes that it'll come sooner, like fall asleep. I remember as a kid, I used to always want to fall asleep in the car because I knew if I slept, it would feel like the trip went faster. Many of us do that with the Lord. We just buy our times. If I can just keep myself busy, maybe it'll come faster as opposed to, God, what do you want from me today? As long as it is today, encourage one another, admonish one another, do good works. There are many things that can go wrong in waiting. One of the biggest indicators of us not waiting correctly is fear. I'm going to say it this way. Fear in anything but God is just a mismanagement of hope. If you are afraid of something, and this is what happens. Oftentimes, we, we keep waiting and we put our hopes in something that is shaky. Our hopes in that the vaccine will change our life. Our hopes in that we won't have to cover our faces anymore. Our hopes that, that the government will somehow figure it out, right? We put these hopes in these things that are completely shaky. And what ends up happening is they don't work. They don't fit the promises. They don't fulfill what, what we'd all hope for. And then what happens? Fear sets in. I don't know about you, but I've seen a whole lot of fear of a lot of things but God in the people of God this last year. Let me guess. You know, I'm not afraid. I'm just trying to be prepared as if you can control the outcome of your life. A bird doesn't fall from the sky that God's not aware of, and you don't think that your days are numbered as well? Most of the time, when we say we're not afraid, we're just masking it in some form of self-righteousness or belief that we have control, as if he has somehow forgot to complete what he started in us, as if God is going to fail to keep his promise. This is why waiting is so beautiful. Waiting is trusting in God, a God who has yet to fail on any of his promises, a God who is never going to make a promise and not fulfill it. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm telling you right now that if you have hope in anything else but Jesus, you will be left wanting. Nothing will satisfy you. You may have moments, fleeting moments of joy, but it's a cheap joy. It's not a true joy that comes by abiding, by remaining with the Lord. What are you waiting for? Really, we find our contentment in waiting. That seems weird to say, but we do. We find our contentment in waiting because if, I, if my waiting is truly hope and trust, and it's not just a, an ancillary like passive waiting, but my, my waiting is hope, then, then I can be content that knowing that God is in control. That it doesn't matter who sits in the present seat, he's still in control. It doesn't matter how long this pandemic goes or how hard it is or how difficult it is, he's still in control. I can be content because my waiting is not waiting as if I'm white-knuckling based on something that may or may not happen. I'm waiting and trusting in the Lord. This is why we see wait in the Lord, wait in the Lord over and over and over again because it's, it's founded on him being the subject of it. Now, I know I said contentment, and some of you are like, well, I haven't been really content this year. Or if you don't know the Lord, you're like, man, I have not seen, at least on social media, a lot of content Christians. Forgive us for that. See, I think what's happened is we've lost sight of what our hope really is in. We fell away from, we took our eyes off the author of our faith, and we started believing the lie that we could do it on ourselves. 
But we have a hope that extends far beyond vaccines, health, government, or any other thing in this world that so desperately tries to make us believe it can bring only bring something wonderful, but only to leave us wanting. Isaiah says this, Isaiah 9, 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and my favorite one for 2020, Prince of Peace. You can't have peace if your hope is in anything but God. You will never experience it. As much excitement, kids, as you have opening presents tomorrow, that present will become old at some point. If you come to Jesus, you will not thirst again as you've drinking from the living waters. Will you give your life to him as Lord and Savior? Look, it's not bad to want a good thing. It's not bad to want to be married. It's not bad to want a child. It's not bad to want to be healthy. It's bad to put our hope in those things. Because then if they don't happen, then we question God as if he's good. And we've already established that God is more than good. He displayed it through the cross of Jesus Christ. Hope changes everything. Hope allows you to see the process differently. What you're hoping for will dictate how you wait. Think about it. If we're hoping for Jesus to come again, then we're going we're gonna to store up for us treasures not here on earth where moth or rust is stored, but we're gonna, our treasures in heaven. We're going to store up our works in heaven. If we hope in the resurrection, then I know that I can live today as a part of his kingdom, praying for his kingdom to be on earth as it is in heaven. Today, when waiting on the Lord, are you doing it with faith, knowing God will act on your behalf, whether that results in what you wanted or not? Do you believe that? We wait to build trust. I don't, have to, I don't have to have it look the way I want it to look because I'm not the master of my universe. Waiting forces us to face the fact that we aren't in control. Maybe that's all we need to hear, church. You're not in control. You can't fix it. You must wait on the Lord. To, you must hope in him. This waiting is a building of faith and, and trust. It teaches us how to live in between. Waiting's not passive. Think about it this way. It's a working out and a practicing. We have an opportunity to, to practice this with each other. When it's hard to connect with God, the worst thing we can do is just disconnect and run. When we see the church being divisive, the worst thing we can do is say, well, it's divisive, I'm out. Instead, we must sit at the table, push into each other, practice this, wait expectantly, eagerly, knowing that the unity that we are striving for today is not something we have to make up. It's given to us by the Spirit of God. And it is what exactly he expects us to live like because that's how it will be in the resurrection. Perfect unity. And the point of Christmas is the birth of Jesus. We, we talk about this. The fullness of God reconciling all nations back to God. A plan that was set long ago that people had to wait a very long time for. Jesus coming to dwell among us that he could be an atoning sacrifice to save us all from darkness and selfishness and death. The only everlasting hope in this world. This is what we wait for. But, but there's more. Not only does he save us, he brings us into a community. And, and not only does he save us for life here, he saves us for eternal life, where that community will be experienced far better than anything you can envision. One of the things I wish someone would have told me, and I probably wouldn't have listened to him because I was a punk when I was young, was that no matter how good it gets on earth, it will never compare to the kingdom of God. Let me say this a different way, maybe more biblically. No matter how hard it is, no matter how much your suffering is, they don't even come close to compare to the glory of Christ that will be revealed to us. This is what waiting does for us, guys. It brings us to hope, not discontentment, not, not grieving, not frustration. It brings us to hope because our hope isn't based on something that, can't, that may or may not happen. Our hope is based on something that will happen. And Jesus promises right before he leaves, he says, I will come back. And we are those people 
waiting, waiting for him to come back. And we can sit passively and miss it, or we can engage in living a life that's soft to him, faithful to him, working out our salvation. Are you waiting? Will you wait? Maybe I'll say that different. Are you hopeful? Are you trusting? Are you longing for? This is what that word means biblically. Are you hopeful? Do you believe that God is, is working, that God is in control, that no matter how long or how difficult or how hard your suffering is, don't worry, it's bringing about something, this perseverance, which is drawing us to hope and a hope that will not put us to shame. We're going to take communion together, and I tried to catch as many of you on the way in, but if you do not have communion and you would like to partake, please take a second here to grab it. People waited for the Messiah as if it wouldn't happen. They literally waited for the Messiah as if he was never going to come. Think about it. Thousands of years waiting for the Messiah. And people just like, I, we, we, know, we, we know the truth. It's supposed to happen. But I just, I just don't know if it's ever going to happen. And thousands and thousands of years, even the 450 plus years of silence, still waiting for the Messiah to show up. And they waited as if it wouldn't happen. My fear is we are waiting today as if the resurrection will never happen. We're waiting today as if Jesus isn't going to come back, as if that was just a, we misinterpreted the scriptures or it was a, it was a nice idea, but he had already, you know, he moved on from that. When we take communion, we, we, we declare so many beautiful things. The bread that symbolizes his body, the incarnation, the body that we celebrate was born, obviously not yesterday, but, or tomorrow, but we know whenever it happened, we, it symbolizes him. The blood that was spilled for us as, as children of God to, to know that we are forgiven in his blood being spilled for us. But what I love is when Jesus says, he says, do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget. And I think so often in our waiting, we forget. We forget what he has done for us at the cross. And maybe we remember that. Like, oh yeah, okay, I remember forgiveness. I was a, I was a schmuck before Jesus, and, but praise God, he has made me righteous and clothed me in his righteousness. Forget that he's doing something in us. And maybe we're like, no, I go to church enough and I see that. But too, all too often we forget that he says, I am not going to partake of this meal until we are in the supper together. I will not take part in this. Remember, I'm coming back. And so when we take this, we declare not only what he's done, not only what he's doing, but we declare that he is coming again. And that is something that we should wait slash hope, trust, expect eagerly to come. And so when we partake of communion, we're declaring that goodness. If you're here today and you are just beat up from 2020, which I'm sure everyone's hand would be raised to some extent, but in that process, if you have lost sight of the author or the, the, the founder of your faith, you, you, maybe you've been walking in, in this, this darkness, this sin, would you step into the light? Would you repent of that? Would you, would you walk as children of the light and repent of that? If you're here today and you, you have a brother or sister in Christ that you are just at odds with, that you have unforgiveness or unrepentant sin with them, would you, would you make that reconcilable? Would you, would you seek that out and do this? If you're here today and you're like, man, I, I, I haven't been waiting well, well then draw near to the throne of grace, a grace that is lavished upon, lavished upon, lavished on you. It's more than enough. Would you celebrate not only what he's done, but would you celebrate that you get to wait we get to wait. We get to hope and trust for Jesus to come back. And on the day, on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the body, took the bread, said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, 
a cup that he won't partake of until he comes again with us, until we are in the, the wedding supper, the feast before him that he's preparing for us right now. He's waiting for us to come too. He took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for God, we thank you for reminding us that our life is a vapor, that you are inside and outside of time, and that time is completely not the way, that, like a day is a thousand years in your mind, God. Thank you for reminding me this week that um, I too often have waited impatiently. I've failed at, at hoping and longing and trusting for you. I've put my trust or my hope in these things that just continually leave me wanting. Father, I praise you for sending your son, for Jesus to joyfully endure the cross for the joy that was set before him, God. For him to submit himself to the hands of someone whom he created in their mother's womb, to be beaten by people that he created. God, I can't imagine how excited you were to see the salvation, the salvation that Peter tells us that the angels lean over long to see that moment of him on the cross. And to know that Jesus, I picture Jesus up there just preparing the perfect place at the supper feast for us. Picture him seeing our, our brothers or sisters from totally different times of history or from totally different ends of the earth of every nation and going, oh, I can't wait for this person to meet this person. I can't wait for these two to see each other. Preparing and preparing as he's hoping and trusting in the Father's timing. May we do the same. May we wait and hope in the Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name.